Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nesting, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello and welcome to Miss Kentucky University Radio, the podcast exploring fantasy flight games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're talking about scenario types as defined by the grand architect herself, MJ Newman. So MJ posted an article a little while ago on her blog, uh, BewareTheBlackCat.com, that was called Behind the Curtains Scenarios, uh, which kind of laid out some scenario types, and we thought we'd take a look at them and uh, discuss some of our favorites. So we're going to be breaking down the definition of each of these and then asking a few questions about each type. Yeah, she uh, the the article was pretty interesting. It sounds like this is sort of a, a way that they think about scenarios when they're designing them, just sort of to try to identify what the goal is for each scenario. And it, it can also be an interesting way for us to think about them. The, the questions that we want to ask for each of these is, uh, what makes this scenario type what it is? Like, what's the definition of it? Where is the pressure coming from in each scenario type? Is it something like doom or enemies or something else? Um, and what are some examples of encounter cards and enemies that are causing that pressure? What are some examples and what are some of our maybe favorites and least favorites? What investigators and cards are particularly good for handling this type of scenario? And lastly, what sort of examples from other media, like maybe movies or video games or, or board games, kind of have the same kind of feel as, as, as each of these scenario types? The first one is, as defined by MJ, is the classic clue gathering. She puts it as, uh, your goal is to gather clues to advance. We, we see this a lot, um, you know, often in introductory adventures or maybe just the first act or two of scenarios. And then she mentions that there's usually some type of wrench thrown at the process, uh, like the way you spend the clues, you have to do it in a certain place, or enemies that spawn as you spend the clues that get in your way, etc. And then she goes on to mention that they dislike ending scenarios with just, just you don't want to spend clues just to end the scenario. You, they want, still want there to be some type of final climax or wrinkle uh as you go into the final act of the scenario yeah often it's like uh you know once you've spent enough clues a kind of minor boss pops out that you have to kill or something like that or maybe you all have to get to a place and resign at the very least yeah i mean i think in general like you know pretty much every scenario in the game getting clues is an important part of progressing towards the end of it um but these scenarios are kind of a little bit more centered around that right yeah so some of the the pressure then might be directed at like your ability to get these clues, maybe like dropping clues or like just enemies in general, kind of like taxing your actions. You have, you know, guardian has to pull them off you and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's true. Like some, some of these do have encounter cards or enemies, like enemies that will kind of like pick up clues when they hit you or like encounter cards that make you drop clues. Like um, what's that one from uh, Midnight Masks? There's like a corset encounter card that they keep having you put into other scenarios where you have to do like an int test. Oh, with on clues. the hunt. It's the other thing that comes with on the hunt. Uh, it's it, yeah. Hunted down or something like that. It, it's one of those, but yeah, yeah. anyway, <laughs> so there are specific encounter cards, but I think that this, because picking up clues is such a big part of the game, virtually any type of pressure can work in these scenarios. So, you know, if there's a lot of enemies around that kind of prevents your squishy clue getter people from moving around freely to pick up clues 
if you keep having to spend actions to do other things to make sure you don't lose, then you have less actions to get clues. So it can kind of be any kind of pressure, really. Yeah, obscuring fog, locked doors. Like, those are all, like, the very classic things to stop you from getting clues or some of the um some of the the kind of more famous really brutal ones because like obscuring fog is usually not that bad but like uh wondrous lands from search for kadath kind of makes it harder to get clues <laughs> yeah. the new one that we talked about a lot in edge of the earth was it polar uh not polar vortex polar mirage? Polar, mirage polar mirage or even um what's the one from uh like is it no one home or something from threads of fate that just makes oh, yeah. get and take an extra yeah. action that, that one's home. pretty brutal <laughs> yeah 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 so there's definitely a lot of interesting design space for just slowing you down. Or a deep dark in Forgotten Age, kind of. Uh, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's so terrible in, in multiplayer, at least. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it's miserable. <laughs> um, so what are so is, what do we have as far as examples of, of this type of scenario? Well, the ones that MJ gave on the blog were like The Gathering, uh, Extracurricular Activity, Untamed Wilds. And then I think we, we were saying things like the early part of Where the Gods Dwell, Echoes of the Past. There's a lot of them. There's usually at least one one or two sprinkled into every campaign. I tend to think that any scenario where it's mostly about getting keys and moving keys around, which is several of the Innsmouth scenarios, kind of fits mm. into this type. Sure. Um, yeah. Just just because like keys game. are kind of keys are kind of like a, a a variant on picking up clues kind of. Yeah, they kind of spiced it up actually, now that you mention it. Yeah. They 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 add more control to like or more randomness maybe. To like, you know, there's different types of objects other than clues that you have to move around the board. Yeah, totally. There's one weird one that I was thinking about that I was wondering, like, which category this fits into. Maybe it's one we'll talk about later, but um, do you guys remember Clutches of Chaos? Oh, Pandemic. The way that you, yeah, the, the kind of Pandemic Forbidden Islandish one. Like, the way that you do win that in the end is by getting a certain amount of clues and the way but but the clues are basically you kind of just pick them up if you manage to keep the map clear for long enough did you spend them to to put breaches or no you you basically like clearing breaches puts clues on the map you get those clues and then you i I think that one might not fit super neatly into these categories but i was just kind of wondering because i feel like this is maybe a little bit of like a catch-all category for anything that doesn't fit super well into the other ones does that make sense yeah i think mj the the thing that Maybe the the better defining factor of it is that it's like kind of great for an introductory adventure. Like even like curtain call yeah. might be might fall into this category, even though there is technically like a boss fight where it's just most of the time you're sort of just gathering clues. You don't really have a specific direction. Uh, usually, like the first scenarios might might lend themselves well to this. As far as what investigators and cards are good for handling it, I mean, pretty much anything that picks up clues or investigates is basically what you need here. Um, you need other stuff too. Like it, I mean, th- these are kind of just like balanced Arkham scenarios, I think. So you do need people to keep enemies away. You need people to deal with treacheries and things. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing is you you obviously need things that make investigating easier. Things that let you pick up clues more efficiently when you investigate. Um, you know, seekers are very strong, but also you can do other decks. You play like a Mystic with Rite of Seeking and Clairvoyance and stuff. You can play uh, Rogues with like Lockpicks and Intel Report. But it's it's those sorts of cards. Yeah, a lot of the cards that we kind of confronted were cards that kind of stay out on the board and kind of make investigating annoying, like locked doors and deep dark and things like that. So you could consider taking that one red card I'd never remember the name of, Father Mateo can take, that just removes... Alter Fate? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Alter Fate, that can just get rid of something like that. Sure, yeah. Well, and also, yeah, the existence of that type of pressure from cards like that is also, I think, a reason why 
things like Intel Report or Drawn to the Flame that let you pick up clues without investigating can be very good. That's true, a lot yeah. of times that, that can get around some of these things. What are uh what are some examples from outside of Arkham Horror that are kind of the same sort of structure as this as this scenario type? Uh so we're kind of thinking more like detective type games where you're kind of picking up clues along the way to figure out kind of a more grand scheme, which is basically what Arkham is, right? The first one that I put down was Call of Cthulhu, not Dark Edges of the Earth, but the 2018 version, where it's very, very heavily inspired by the actual RPG system. And you're literally just talking with townsfolk, you're kind of gathering clues slowly, 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 and then kind of like, as each like episode or arc or whatever ends, there's sort of like a, a wrinkle, which is almost what this is exactly, right? It's it's like, there's like a boss that comes out and you have to run away from it, or there's like a cult that runs after you or something like that. So that was kind of my pick for it. Another one might be like Batman Arkham Asylum, where you're kind of doing the same thing. I mean, there's a, there's way more punching and kicking and flying over people's heads. But, uh, you know, there's times where you just have to stop and you have to analyze the crime scene and do these cool, like, detective type things. Yeah, I mean, it definitely calls back to the, the classic RPGs like Call of Cthulhu and, um, I don't know if you guys, World of Darkness, where it's like, you're mostly, it's mostly a role-playing type RPG where you're walking around trying to talk to people or investigate things and then at the very end maybe there's some horrible spooky monster that in those probably kills you in this you know in, in in the card game you could usually have a stick chance against it but uh you know it's that type of vibe so it yeah. it also definitely it's a little bit harder to find examples from other media for this one because to me this is the kind of like quintessential arkham files thing is like yeah that's kind of one of the commonalities between all of the arkham files games and to a lesser extent the greater kind of like call of cthulhu based game board game rpg universe is like the little green magnifying glass tokens that you know <laughs> all these games whether whether it's like elder sign or the card game or arkham horror third edition or mansions of madness like does mansions of madness have clue tokens i think it does yeah they're... yeah like like they all kind of have this idea of like clue tokens that it's a little bit ambiguous what they actually mean and it can kind of vary with the context but generally it means like finding stuff out and getting getting closer to the end of the scenario so that's kind of what this is all about yeah all right well why don't we move on to the next archetype uh which is the race to the finish so this is basically it's very straightforward you're trying to get from one place to another you're usually racing against a clock, or maybe there's a giant enemy chasing you or something, something you gotta run away from. Uh, and MJ points out that these scenarios often even just go in a straight line, um, so that you're, it's very obvious you're trying to, you know, go from... Uh, you're very obviously trying to just push forward um, to get to the end. The the pressures of the scenario is usually... It's either a doom clock, or it's 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 a, a very large enemy that you don't want to actually fight, or, or that you can only like evade so many times before it'll, it'll kill you off, or other things overwhelm you, right? Yeah, movement is also kind of a tax in some of these too, right? Where like mm. you have things that put like doom on locations, or uh, extra cost to move, like frozen fear, things like that can be really really annoying for these types of scenarios. Yeah, there's or- also one of the nastiest types of pressure can be encounter cards or other effects that physically move you further away from where you're trying to go (laughs) like in in too deep has that card that can kind of shove you backwards towards the beginning through the barricades yeah the or was was it the in dreamlands the spiral staircase thing where it resets it terrible yeah 
Exactly. Into the earth, the second scenario, like you can get avalanche down the mountain or whatever. <laughs> right. That's, that's like, to me, that's like the most unique and scary form of like pressure and punishment in this particular type of scenario. These, these scenarios, usually the pressure is not just like, can you survive? It's basically, can you either make it to the end in the short amount of time or can you outrun the things that are chasing you? Right. So that's kind of what makes these unique. Yeah. What's often fun about these is like, you, you kind of feel the pressure the whole time. Um, like, you feel like there's always some presence that's going to kill you if you don't keep progressing forward. Like, um, in Essence County Express, it was, it, it was literally the doom. And like, you know, every couple turns, the car, the last car flies away. And if you're, you haven't been progressing forward, then you're lost in the portal or whatever. That's terrifying. Yeah. In like horror and high gear, if you start to lag behind, then like, uh, you might get overwhelmed with a giant, the, the swarm of monsters that is, is chasing you down or whatever. So. I really like the energy of these scenarios where it's it's it keeps it keeps your your heart racing as you go through. Yeah, totally. And the other scenarios that uh, MJ suggested were like this, or like Doom of Etzel or Etzli. I've never learned how to pronounce that. Um, <laughs> Doom of Colin Etzel. <laughs> it's not Colin that hard. Uh, it's really not that hard. Dan, it's it's your fault for like uh, the first time we saw it, being like, "Oh, this is just like the my uh, our good friend Collins' last name," and that's how it's now my brain's like, "Oh, that's how you pronounce it." So I I, re- I regret it. I do regret so, it. So uh, and then what else? Like Thousand Shapes of Horror, Into Deep. We mentioned already Horror and High Gear. That's the kind of express. Where Doom awaits, kind of that that one. It's sort of the joke with that one is that there's very little pressure because you have like unlimited time to do it. <laughs> um, but you know, kind of, kind of similar. And yeah, we, we also mentioned the new one. Um, what's the mountain climbing one from edge of the earth that we just talked about? Oh, Cause that's one too. To the forbidden peaks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like, what are the, you know, cards and investigators that are particularly good at this? I guess, you know, anything that lets you move more or take more actions is usually good. So cards yeah, like pathfinder, safeguard, shortcuts, uh, anything that gives you extra actions, those are all good. Those all seem like Luke yellow cards, Dan. where you get to teleport. But I think just more generally, um, classes that don't need a lot of setup and mm-hmm. decks that don't need a lot of setup are stronger. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. So maybe like Mystics have a harder time. Maybe people that play a lot of Assets have a harder time. Yeah. Anybody that can just kind of get moving. Also, evading enemies tends to be better in this type of scenario than in some of the others. Because tends to be a good option them. to have. You can leave them behind, basically, yeah. right? Totally. Yeah. Um, like Ashcan Pete is like probably the star for these kinds of things because he can just hit the ground running. Like Joe Diamond also can do that because he's got like a a hunch deck that he can just put his shortcuts and all all the things that he needs to kind of have that extra card all the time. Yeah. Anybody who can just like kind of hit the ground running and have access to those like pathfinders and things like that. Because I think that sort of the last time I was playing one of these, which was Essex County Express, I realized that that is sort of like the that is the best version of this sort of scenario type in that you will always get whittled down. You will never have much time to set up and you just need to go, go, go. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think any, any of those kinds of cards or investigators would help. So examples outside of Arkham to kind of keep with the video game theme, the classic one that we thought of was Sonic the Hedgehog because <laughs> there's literally a counter, right? There's literally a timer. Fast. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a timer and uh, you gotta, you gotta just go to the end and pass the end. Or, or kind of, you know, things like the original 2D Mario games or Cannibalt or something. Or, or sure. I guess any game, any game if you're speedrunning it, kind of, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Anything where there's a timer and you have to, like, get to the end, right, is essentially what it is. 
you could also include like any any movie that's kind of like a road movie. So any any movie that's about people trying to get to a specific place. Ideally, ideally being chased by something, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, any movie where you're trying to go against the clock, like oh no, we gotta drive across the country because the airport's down. We gotta get there in the next two days, otherwise, you know, uh, they're gonna sell the farm or whatever. You know, <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, what's the what's the next uh, scenario type that we had to talk about? Uh, so next one is the uh, MJ calls it the hunt them down type of scenario, which I think we usually call this we refer to this as like push pusher luck or or win more. So it's where you have to try to find um, or maybe deal with as many of a specific thing as you can. Uh, it usually gets the more you do, usually the harder it becomes, or or maybe the the process becomes more confusing. Um, and really it's, it's kind of like the framework for the whole scenario is to try to get as many of those things as you can. Um, sometimes it's enemies you hunt down or, or parlay, or sometimes you have to find locations. And the, the feature of this is like the non-binary win condition. It's, it's like the, the more you accomplish, the better, um, your outcome. Yeah. Like this is less about the kind of exact mechanism of what you're trying to do. And it's more about just the way that the victory condition is structured, where instead of just you win or you lose, I mean, most scenarios have some element of like different resolutions you can get, but generally there's like good ones and bad ones. In this one, it's very much about like how many of the thing can you get, right? Yeah, and these are yeah. like typically our favorites, right? Like I love these scenarios because they put a really unique challenge on on the clock. Yeah, they're they're often standouts because it feels like you can reach the minimum. Well, unless you have really bad luck, I think we usually feel like yeah, you can you can reach the minimum to to get a decent resolution. But it's very fun to try to push to try to get, you know, all of the things or as many as you can, even more so than like just trying to collect all the victory on different locations or whatever, which which is usually like a a subset of this, I think. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a good time. And like encounter cards and such that we see are, are usually things that push back on that win condition or make it harder. Like maybe it'll make it harder to, you know, like you need to spend more clues to, to get collect one of the things or sometimes they even like reverse... <laughs> reverse your progress like uh boundary like boundary beyond, <laughs> boundary beyond. Yeah. there's that encounter card where you have to choose between like reversing your progress on how many of the locations you've completed or or something very bad happens i think you put doom on or something so like in the last king isn't isn't there a wh- which campaign has the encounter card that just makes it so you can't parley for a turn i think that's carcosa right no that's not no that's, that's uh, uh insmith that's um yeah, the locals, the furtive locals. But there, there's something in the last king that works similarly. I think where it kind of sets you back. You, it costs you an extra action to parlay. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, isn't there also like a, a card that's like, oh, do you put put one of your clues back on a oh yeah cultist or whatever, or take damage mm-hmm. or something? Yep. I don't. I don't. You know. Right. Yeah. Definitely. You see a lot of that where like the choice, which is is a fun choice from the encounter deck. It's like, oh, do I set us back a little bit, or do I take a personal hit of some kind yeah and usually if you possibly can can take it you always want to take the hit instead yeah. of setting back your progress because you usually don't have a lot of time but yeah i mean i think these these tend to be some of our favorite scenarios because we really like the challenge of trying to get all of them um so that's really that's definitely cool i think also these these are part of the thing that is like really unique to arkham horror the card game because i don't know a lot of other board games and card games that have this type of thing as like a recurring theme so we we definitely like these a lot yeah these also lend themselves better to like being a standalone scenario that you'd enjoy more often than the other ones right because of that reason vanishing of alina harper is very much like that or um 
Search for Gaddaf is another one that's that's a really, really incredible scenario. And won our MUR's uh, best scenario ever. <laughs> that was a while ago. But um, the point still stands that there's just sort of a scaling difficulty part to it that really feels rewarding when you get 100% of things done. And the difficulty in that one is just literally just the, the skull, right? Uh, there's other things, but just the time it takes you to get from the boat into the other area. And then like the skulls represent like possibly up to a negative nine or something, right? Yeah. Because the scenario ends when you get 10, I think. Yeah, that's a good point about the standalones, though, because like Harris and I have been playing through the uh, the Peril of Escara challenge scenarios. And like I think the Roland one is definitely like a win more. You're trying. It's similar to Midnight Asks, where you're like trying to get a certain as many cultists as you can before the clock runs out, and that made that one I think a little bit more fun than other ones, uh, just to play a standalone. So definitely true there. As we said, there's usually one of these in every campaign, like Midnight Masks, Wages of Sin, Citric of Death, even even like Boundary Beyond, even like City of the Elder Things is kind of like that, I guess, because <laughs> you want to get a certain number of the things achieved and the more you can get done the better resolution so uh yeah we see it a lot is there any any of those that you guys think were better than others or or just kind of fall flat like it, it, you don't like the challenge as much i think uh midnight masks which is kind of the the you know original of this of this archetype is definitely a fun scenario but the difficulty has not really kept up with modern decks very much so at this point mm. If if we were to go back and play Night of the Zealot, which we usually don't unless we're like playing with new players or something, I don't know, maybe Dane does. Um, it's you usually <laughs> just get all six kind of. So that one, it's not that it's bad, just that I'm, it's not as interesting anymore. I think most of the more recent ones are really good. We talk a lot about um, Wages of Sin. That's one that I really like. Um, Search for Kadath, I think, won our scenario bracket a year or two ago, and that's that's one that everyone really likes. So those are particularly great. Do you guys have any others that really stand out to you? Those two would be my picks too. I really like the, I can't remember the name of the scenario, but Edge of the Earth's fourth, fourth scenario, part one. That one's kind of, that one's definitely like a hunt them down clutch uh, to to try to get all the things you can, and I like that one a lot. Oh, the keys? The, City of the Elder the, Things? The actual, the actual fourth scenario, which is made probably like the seventh scenario when you actually play it. Heart, um, of, Heart of Madness? I don't remember the name, Dane, so you're saying it... <laughs> It's a good help, but yeah, Art of Madness, the Great Seal. Yeah, part, I think Edge of the there. Earth has yeah, Edge of the Earth has a lot of these sorts of things. It, like not every scenario, but most scenarios have at least a little bit of this kind of ingredient in them somewhere. Um, Innsmouth, on the other hand, it kind of has like a campaign spanning. How many of the thing can you get in the mm-hmm. uh, what is it like oh, the, the flashbacks the or whatever? The flashbacks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is cool, but I think one one thing that was a tiny bit disappointing about Innsmouth, although it is a really good campaign, is it it doesn't feel like it had one scenario that's like a Wages of Sin style, like really deep, like push your luck kind of scenario. Is that is that right, or am I forgetting one? I don't think I had one that was specifically targeted. That there were several of them that had like a lot of flashbacks together. And like going out of your way to do get those flashbacks, right. yeah, yeah, um, does make the scenario more difficult. But it's not like an immediate effect on the resolution of that scenario. Yeah, yeah. I guess the closest would be the uh, vanishing of Lena Harper because you have to like get as many suspects and hideouts, spoilers, as you can in order to like deduce who who did it, kind of a thing. But it's it's that's still more of like a you did it or you didn't do it kind of thing. There's yeah. like maybe a little bit more leniency. Uh, yeah. As for games that are like this, I mean, there's definitely a lot of games that are just um, 
your goal is to try to collect a bunch of stuff in the level or whatever. Uh, the one I thought of like was Celeste, where you're like trying to get all the strawberries, and it's like uh, like an extra difficult challenge on top of like already trying to progress through the platforming to get to the end. And the reward is like I think you you can unlock some stuff to do more fun stuff in the game. Well, what were you guys? What other media do you guys think represents this type of scenario? It's definitely more of a video game thing than anything you can talk about for like movies or or, or books or anything else because it has this element of like interactivity to it, right? right. You know, it's a lot of the it, it's it's a lot of like sort of roguelike style video games where you're trying to accomplish as much as you can before you die or before you run out of time, or uh, you know trying to collect all of the extra things that are hard to get that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. So games like Hades, Inscription, Slay the Spire, these are all games where you have that sort of like internal clock of like how long can I last and get all the things before I I need to die, and that even like kind of translates well back to just games like pinball where you have you know you can only kind of go for a certain number a certain amount of time until oh no you know the ball's dropped down through the thing i i haven't played pinball you can very clearly tell. <laughs> but yeah that sort of thing maybe i played pinball on my computer like 20 years ago i don't know if i've ever actually played with a physical oh that's space machine. cadet yeah space cadet whip out space <laughs> cadet and minesweeper yeah <laughs> the og yeah minesweeper, minesweeper's a great game did we mention what type of investigators or cards we thought were best for this? I, guess, I mean, it's anyone that has action compression, right? That can can help them get uh, kind of. I mean, faster. It, I don't know. not even really action compression so much as just efficiency. I would say, hmm. like these are like when we talk a lot about um, when we talk a lot about like specific investigators and specific cards. I think a lot of that is because we're we're talking about the investigators that can do well in situations like this, where you're trying to you're trying to do something that's like very very difficult within a short amount of time. You just don't have time to kind of like play a card unless it's really really going to help you, right? Like that's kind of to me that's like what these scenarios are about, and that's part of the fun of them. Yeah, I think there's also a difference between this and the kind of get in get out race to the finish line type thing because it can be valuable to have somebody set up for later because these have a, a unique way of scaling whereas race to the finish line is more just about like the sheer number of like doom and enemies that can accrue if you're just evading things and trying to get to the end. This has Definitely. an actual scaling part of it. So if your mystic player really needs to get some things down to be useful later, it's definitely like helpful to have that happen because of that scaling aspect yeah yeah it's true but but it's very much a balancing act right because you know you can if you spend too much time setting up then you just won't have enough time left to actually do stuff but if you don't spend enough time setting up then maybe you'll like die because you didn't protect yourself or something right so it's you have to make a lot of interesting decisions which is definitely good yeah i think any card that like any card that saves you actions or that kind of just justifies itself by making you more efficient is good in these scenarios. And that's kind of a vague way to put it, but that's that's the best I can really think of. Yeah, somebody like like Yorick can do that really well because they don't need actions to, to pull out his um, assets at all, right? Any Seeker? <laughs> Monterey Jack? These kinds of things. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one of the reasons we advocate so hard for Seekers is because they do very well in this type of scenario. That definitely makes them strong. Why don't we move on to the next archetype, which is the find the key location uh, style. So this is your 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 goal is to to get to a specific place, but it's often hidden from view. Could be in a deck of locations you have to dig dig through, or it's otherwise hidden. Uh, and once you find this location, you have some task you have to accomplish there. 
And MJ mentions that sometimes they like to close out the scenario with some type of Super Metroid style flee for your life act, uh, where like after you get to the location, you gotta you gotta run and get away from it or whatever because maybe you set off the the detonation or you stole something or whatever. Yeah, these are kind of a mixture of like clue gathering and also uh, race to the finish, right? This is kind of more the get in and get out type thing, whereas like race to the finish is more of like maybe linear with uh, Essex County Express. Find the key locations, like, the pressure does come from Doom and things, but can sometimes come from, like, recurring... Uh, Brown Jackin. Brown Jackin is, is one of the things that is just horrible and terrible to see. Uh, so if you're, if you're playing the secret name, just watch out you for You brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, the, I think the pressure is usually, like, you need to survive to get to the location. So I think we might see more aggressive encounter decks here where something's beating you down. Obviously, all of Forgotten Age, not all of it, but, like, half the scenario is there. Like, the location was in the encounter deck, so you had to, like, be able to survive uh, doing explorers or whatever to, to to actually locate the location and then actually get there and and do some tasks there, like, get clues or maybe fight another mini-boss or something. But Yeah, and it's it's definitely, like, centered a lot around the explore kind of system that was used in Forgotten Age kind of pl- plays into this a lot. And we've seen other versions of that too, right? Yeah, I, I think we see it like sometimes it's something that's like hidden on the back of an act, but you can only reveal it once you've spent clues at a certain place. Or yeah, there could yeah. be other types of decks of locations that are like a randomized deck of locations, like in um, Mistalk Museum. Like you're trying to find the forbidden exhibit, or I forget which which exhibit you're trying to find, but you have to first dig through the other exhibits that are on top of it in the exhibit deck or whatever. Yeah, that's the kind of the defining feature of them, right? Where you you have this location that's just not even in play. It's like can be in a deck or it could be like just set aside and then you need to spend clues or uh you know, find a location and then do an action on it to like actually unlock this place that you need to get to. Yeah, and you see it even in scenarios where like the board state is a bit randomized, like you know like oh, one of these five locations is the one we have to go to, we have to go check it out like um before the Black Throne is kind of like a, uh, you're just trying to get to the end of the Black Throne because <laughs> you because you can't fight the boss, so you're just trying to search and try to find the right place to to let you progress forward while uh, not dying and not running out of doom. So yeah, we mentioned a couple of them, but like the Mystonic Museum, Secret Name, uh, Pit of Despair. I think before the Black Throne. Are there any others that you guys think of that are this style? Blood on the Altar, uh, Lost in Time and Space. Yeah, a lot of the final scenarios actually end up being about this, right? Or at least some of them do. Some of them do, yeah. Well, the ones where you can't like directly fight the boss <laughs> because it's too big of a too big or too abstract of a concept to actually fight. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like I said, not every scenario with explore as part of it, but most of them, and also most things like the pallid mask or whatever, where the the locations kind of like come out of a deck. Like that's a, that's just a pretty that's a pretty decisive sign that usually this is that type of scenario. But even like Pallet Mask, like once you find the location, then there is still that uh, final escape aspect to it, right? Where you're, like, the whole place is collapsing, you have to run out. Where do you jump in a hole? I can't remember. There's two different versions of Pallet Mask. One of them, definitely the whole place is collapsing, and you're very sad if you don't get out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of them you have to get back out through the entrance, and the other one you have to find this location, bone. right? Yeah, this this other location where you can jump into a hole, as you do in Paris. I know, I, I like these because they're like more of like a calculated timer a lot of the time, especially if you're the person that has done the setup, which is usually me. 
because a lot of them are like, okay, I know the location we need is like in the bottom, like three cards of this 15 card deck. So that means we have to uh, place these other 12 locations first for have a chance of finding it. And those other locations often have some other, sometimes they have something scary, like it's a, a risk to go every time you adventure, but sometimes they also have like victory on them or something. So you might still be encouraged to explore other locations that aren't necessarily the the important one, but then at that point you're weighing yourself weighing against the the doom clock or or how much damage or horror you've taken, etc. So it can make it interesting. Yeah, I guess a good example of this like recently might be uh, horror and high gear, right? Where you have like literally a deck that that you're you're driving from one end of the map to another end of the map, and you're releasing or, or you're uh, revealing all these locations as you're driving, and a lot of the pressure from that comes from like going the wrong way, literally just going the wrong way, making the wrong mm-hmm. turn. And then, you know, if, if you don't make the wrong turns, you can kind of get there pretty quickly, and it's it's not that big of a deal, but... It's a stereotype where, like, things like a uh, pocket telescope can really shine, where it, like, helps you eliminate locations. <laughs> yeah, although, yeah. although horror, horror in high gear is, uh, is almost more of a... That's almost more of a race to the finish, although it has a little bit of this in it. It's kind of a mix of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are definitely scenarios that are, you know, use two or three of these archetypes together. So that that could be one. I think we actually see them cross over a lot more in these more recent campaigns, uh, which can can uh, spice it up a bit. Yeah. So I mean, as far as like cards that you can take or investigators you can be to like help deal with this kind of thing, there isn't really a lot that we haven't covered. Like things like action compression, movement, like free movement, things like that really help. But I want to I want to throw it back to a pocket telescope because man, I've been using that in a recent campaign, or rather, I haven't. This this insane Luke player I've been I've been <laughs> playing with has been using it, and it is very powerful as a tech card for these kinds of scenarios where. Sometimes you just have to lay out like three different things. Like, for example, in the Miskatonic Museum, you kind of throw down three of the uh, potential places that the final place can be. And you just use Pocket Telescope to look at each one of them, um, obviously over a few turns. But like, if you don't find it first, then you go to the next one, right? Uh, it, it gives you, it gives you uh, when you're trying to find a specific location, if you don't care about like, getting all the victory or getting others, uh, there's no other side objective than cards that can help you avoid having to move into those locations to check them out or otherwise skip some of the steps of, of investigating so that you can focus on just finding the place you want are very good like pocket telescope these scenarios do often have like a lot of extra victory to pick up just because they do mm-hmm. have more locations than you're expected to actually like need to cover so often they can become if you're trying to get a ton of xp like we usually do you often want to be able to pick up a ton of clues really fast and move really fast because there's usually like more bonus victory apart from just finishing the scenario than there is from other types of scenarios sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it's not necessarily critical to winning these scenarios, like getting the good resolution. Like, uh, yeah, that's true. There's always a lot of scenarios have these side objectives where like getting clues faster or whatever is is helpful. So, uh, as for games, um, obviously MJ uh, called out Super Metroid, uh, but I think we were thinking like Halo. Yeah, there are a lot of games that have this sort of thing where you kind of go into the facility and then it's blowing up and you have to escape, right? Like, there's a lot of these different sequences where this happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not really, like, well-defined in a single game, like, or game uh, genre. We were thinking Halo mostly, it has the same kind of, like, ending escape sequence as Super Metroid does. Um, Although it occurs to me that that's almost kind of, 
if you had a whole scenario like that, it would be more of like a race to the finish line scenario. But I guess if you just kind of have it as like, these can kind of blur together with that at least a little bit, I guess. The other one we thought of just almost almost kind of as a joke, but it actually fits, is the original Super Mario Brothers, where you keep <laughs> beating the the zone and beating Bowser, and then the Toad guy says, sorry, but the princess is in another castle. So it's kind of <laughs> like you have to keep checking all these locations until you find the one that actually has the princess in it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so the last type of scenario is the Slay the Boss uh, scenario. So... This is a classic climax for Arkham Horror. There's some giant enemy, or maybe an ancient one has spawned, and your goal is to slay it, or banish it, or or do some type of ritual that will, you know, stop it from destroying the world. Sometimes you can kill it, but sometimes there's other things that you could do, like assembling some some object, or or finding clues, or or doing something with cards in your hand to do something weird. And they often have have a combination of options. Like there's usually like more than one way to win, so that like fighters have a chance to defeat it or people that are better at getting clues have a way to defeat it or people that are evading have some some alternative to defeat it these are often like the last scenario in a campaign so like at at this point it's like have you gotten your whole deck engine up did you get enough experience to build your deck up to make it so you can stand a chance against whatever this giant monster is yeah and i think in that way a lot of the pressure comes from that giant monster right like Mm -hmm. there are just times where you just take a slap from this giant monster and it's like two health two sanity and it's like you know by that point hopefully you've been able to get some cards that allow you to soak that or heal that or whatever but like some of that pressure comes from like okay i have to sit in this area and the boss the boss i can't evade i just have to like deal with it as much as possible and the question is, do I like leave? For example, if you're playing the uh, Weaver the Cosmos, the legs will attack you at the end of the enemy phase or at the enemy phase. So you, you want to like gauge whether or not you can move away from them and then come back. But that's a lot of actions. There's also little other spiders spawning all over the place. So it's like there's kind of a balance of like moving around, attacking the boss, running around, doing other things. Yeah, and often there will be encounter cards that make the boss even scarier or, or support the boss in some way. So they're either other other unnecessarily large, big, scary monsters, or it could be things like buff the monster's attack, the boss's attack. Sometimes the boss like gets free attacks off the encounter deck or, or will get to move around for free or something. So you often see the focus on like uh, some, some way enhancing that boss to make it even scarier. Yeah, definitely. Um, I should also say these. This seems like maybe the least common kind of scenario of the of the ones we've talked about, or at least because because I think that typically this is usually not a game where you just kind of like fight a big boss for the whole scenario. There's a few scenarios like that, but uh, it's it's less common than the other types. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's sometimes more like the second or third act of a scenario. I think um, it's very few where it's the whole thing. You're right. Yeah, especially because you know, in the lore of the mythos, the actual giant, big, ancient one, or whatever, you're not really supposed to be able to fight it with like a shotgun or a knife, or right? <laughs> um, yeah, I also kind of think, kind of throughout the game, these slay the boss type scenarios have been better defined because, kind of at the beginning, they kind of sort of knew that they weren't supposed to like just kill Umordoth with a shotgun, but you kind of could. But it wasn't mm-hmm. really a boss fight scenario. Like, it wasn't made for that reason. Whereas, like, Weaver the Cosmos, and one of my favorite scenarios of all time, The Blob Made It Everything, are mm-hmm. very much boss scenarios. Mm-hmm. And they put a lot of time and effort into, into like, making them feel like those, those video games where, you know, you kind of have to attack the heart for a while, and then, you know, you jump off of it, and then you have to deal with a whole bunch of little enemies. But the end goal is killing that boss. 
the both of the ones you mentioned are like just like uh mmo raids like back in the day and i played like world of warcraft it was like oh yeah there's like you know some they design it so it's like oh there's different phases a little bit to this boss fight you have to do different things in each one that makes it feel a lot more like a, a big video game boss than necessarily like a, a card game type of thing yeah those are definitely good examples other things that are a little bit less literal like fight a giant enemy card but that still kind of count would be maybe things like heart of madness part two um ice and death part three is that that's that kind of is fighting an enemy or um where the gods dwell kind mm. of because you're not it's not really like fighting a boss so much in that one but it kind of is um it totally is it's a boss, it's <laughs> yeah, a boss in your basically. mind you know um, yeah i think before before where the gods dwell came along uh i would have said that like you know the best tech cards to bring for this are just like your heavy damage dealers right your your classic guardians who have like big guns or ways to deal tons of damage um but where the gods will kind of turn that on its head because it is at least as we feel it's very much a boss scenario but it's all happening in your mind in in where the gods dwell the tech cards you need are normally terrible cards like on the hunt that like miraculously become really good Uh, so it's (laughs) it, it has its own weird kind of tech that you need the other fun thing to if we're talking about kind of cards that are good in this i think one reason why when people are coming up with like combos and kind of janky decks one thing that the the first example of this is like the double or nothing shotgun where you try to do like 10 damage with one bullet um which has been around for a while combos that just like do a crap load of damage in in a small number of of actions i think part of the reason that we say those are not really worth building a deck around is just because you don't fight giant bosses that often like those combos can be good for things like blob it's just that generally you don't want to build a general purpose deck to do that because you're probably not going to encounter many of these boss scenarios in the course of a campaign but you know interactions like that if if you can pull them off anything that would just do a lot of damage efficiently is really good for these yeah yeah and i think in that way these scenarios while they're kind of more sparse than others that's the guardian's time to shine right that's that's the guy who's like man i've got these two chainsaws that can also have enchant weapon on them uh that you know i can finally put to good use whereas like a lot of the other scenarios, you might not even get time to play them, right? Or or you might just not yeah. use very many charges or whatever. This is the time. There's also, I feel like evading is really a mixed bag for these scenarios because in a lot of these, evading the big boss is basically essential because you really don't want him to hit everybody, right? Yeah, they've got so like 30 need, health or something. You need to evade him every turn. Or, it's, or there's something where like if he's not exhausted in some part of the phase, he does some kind of horrible thing. Right. But I think there's also some of these bosses where they just have a thing on their text that says like he readies at the beginning of enemy phase. So evading basically doesn't stop you from getting hit. So I think it's generally pretty good, but there's some things where it's kind of artificially um just made not as good i I also mentioned really quickly just talking about examples of this i think that um undimension and unseen is is it's basically like a hunt them down but it's also kind of like a boss scenario because you're fighting these like big weird enemies that are kind of challenging to fight so there's there's kind of like hybrids that include this scenario type too they're like little mini bosses i mean we also do see like mini boss uh like with recurring enemies like in all of forgotten age there's the um the big snake yeah big snake lady the harbinger that shows up yeah. and is like pops in for a little while, but it's not necessarily the focus of those scenarios. So yeah, and I guess the other thing to mention is that there is sort of there are sort of variants of this too. Like we were talking about uh, where the gods dwell, but I mean the original Umordoth like end of uh, Corset one is like you kind of don't want him to spawn. You kind of want to like you know like put out all the candles and like 
stop the ritual from happening so that he doesn't even spawn. And that was kind of maybe put to rest for a while and came back in uh, into the maelstrom where, where you have these two like sleeping basically elder gods and you have to like either you have to keep them sleeping or you have to like kind of find ways around like kind of skirting around them and their brood is kind of doing all the work and stuff and they can be awake and they can be doing awful things but um it's kind of like a different flavor of a boss fight yeah i do think they do a great job of uh coming with new and different ways to represent like all these these big final bosses to make them big boss encounters like even like dm carcosa where like Haster is like floating over you or is in your minds or whatever and you have to like figure out how to hurt it by like exploring the world of Carcosa or whatever like that's a boss fight but you're not like direct you're not able to directly shoot the boss um I will, for I the, will never for the not be one. physically pained and make like a cringe when that <laughs> aim is said for the rest of my goddamn life so I, I paused for a second or two I was like can I say it and was, am I <laughs> yeah, to say yeah that will that will <laughs> always happen MJ if you are listening that this will always happen for the rest of my goddamn life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as for, like, um, I think we mentioned a lot of the scenarios that this, this, this we see this in, but you know, what about video games? I mean, I guess obviously lots of video games have big giant bosses that you fight in them. Like, that's kind of a staple of a lot of games. Uh, is any yeah. in particular that scream, gotta fight the boss? So the ones we picked were more like where that's the main point, right? And I think one of the first places we've seen that is shadow of the colossus which was like a ps2 game that came out a very long time ago where the whole point of it is just you know you're fighting these massive bosses and you're just a small boy on a horse and uh that's sort of the whole point um and there's story involved and things like that but and it also got kind of got kicked off by demon souls which is a really early iteration of dark souls which eventually came became a very big sort of genre of games yeah, I think you could also include uh there's there's a, a game that came out a few years ago. I haven't played it, but Dane has called Fury that is basically just boss fights, so that's kind of a an obvious example. And I would even include things like um sort of like classic 2D shmups like uh you know, like Gradius or Radiant Silver Gun or anything, or or really anything made by Treasure, any of those kind of like classic Japanese action games. Usually every every level has like five bosses in it that are like very difficult. Yeah, sure. I mean, even like the point of Mega Man, right? Is is you go to you go to yeah, fight Windman, yeah. and you know there's there's a level before it, and that's great and all, but then like finally you get to the end, and it's like, how do I you know jump over all his wind razors and and fly through the wind radi- radius? The the levels the levels kind of a warm up for fighting like Banana Man or Ice Cream Man <laughs> or uh, you know Stick Man or whatever the Jenga Mega Man. Man level, yeah. Yeah, so that's so that's Slay the Boss, and that's that's kind of the last of the archetypes from from MJ's blog. It, we should mention we, we've kind of already talked about this, but I think a lot of scenarios sort of fit into more than one of these, or they kind of have elements of multiples. But you know, most of them you can pick one that that is kind of the primary uh, type of the scenario. Um, do you guys feel like I I definitely enjoy campaigns more when they have a mix of these? Like I, ideally, I would like to see kind of like a little bit of each of these somewhere in the campaign, as as we've discussed. Is that? Did you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you want when you play through a campaign, you don't want to be playing the same scenario over and over again. You want it to be um, different to keep it, keep things interesting, you know. Yeah, I will say that those are def- generally definitely my favorite campaigns. 
Circle Undone, I feel, and Carcosa both handle this very well because each scenario is is almost entirely different from one another and they all have very unique things happening in them. Even though, you know, it's just a boss fight, it's also, uh, you know, the big H-man and there's three different versions of him you can get and there's, you know, you could be fighting him directly, you could, he could be looming over you and there's horrible doom things happening to you. It's like there's so many different iterations of these things in these specific campaigns and that's why I love them a lot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like it, we we do we talk a lot about Circle Undone and how much we like it. And to me, that is one of the best best selling points of it is that you really do get this like variety of different experiences that are all pretty good as you're playing through it. Um, but I think most most campaigns do kind of provide that. And and yeah, of all of these types, I, I know for me and, and I assume you guys are probably the same. The one of these that is kind of the most exciting when we're playing a new scenario is the like the hunt them down or push your luck type. That's just the one where you kind of like rub your hands together. And you go like, oh, yeah, let's do this. But uh, yeah, but, but, but they can all be good. Those are the ones that I feel like the most have the most replayability, right? Because it's because exactly. the, fir- the first time through, you probably don't get all the things. So then like the next yeah. time you play the campaign, you're like, all right, we got to be prepared to do this. And then you uh, even then it still can often be hard. So. Yeah, those are the ones that you kind of like build decks around. Like when you're when you're running into, uh, you know, Forgotten Age, you maybe think like, this deck is fun, but I don't know if this is going to be able to get all the things in Boundary Beyond. What can I do? Like, can I switch to a different investigator? What can I do so that this playthrough maybe we can get all of the ancient locations or something? You know? Yeah, and I think like that that kind of stems from the like incessant urge to get all of the victory because this is exactly that sort of. That this is, plays off of that, right? Where, and then I think kind of down the ladder, anything where it makes there is a lot of victory and it makes that objective of getting the victory difficult. Like that can be like we were talking about race to the finish line or find the key location where all these locations are kind of going by and you're like, okay, how much time do I have to actually clear all these clues to get this victory? Or can we wait for the guy with victory on him to spawn? That way we can, you know, get him out of here and get some more victory. Those are all things that we really appreciate about uh, scenarios, I feel. Yeah. And I guess the the last thing I would maybe say, just kind of by means of, of kind of uh, transitioning to, to the end of this, is uh, people should check out MJ's blog. There's a lot of really cool stuff on there. And uh, there's a lot of sort of like game design uh, theory and advice, which is neat for anybody that's uh, working on games, either professionally or as a hobby. And, uh, you know, it's always, if, if you play this game a lot like we do, it's just always interesting to get a sense of how it's made and sort of what kind of thoughts and ideas the designers have when they're working on stuff. So um, this was a cool article and uh, I would encourage people to check it out. Yeah, you also get to see Al, the alligator in a vest, the best. Oh yeah, <laughs> the best investigator ever designed for this game. So check it out. I'm hoping that we get an Al, Al like in the in the in the art of some promo card at some point. That would be a fun <laughs> little treat for the fans. I think the real heads, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, anyway, everybody, which scenario type is your favorite? Is it the same now as when you first started playing? Let us know. Give us a like, follow, or comment on your preferred social media outlet. Links to all of our sites can be found at social.mur.fm or email us at comments at mur.fm or come hang out on our Discord server. If you really enjoy what we do and we want to get more involved, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Radio, or just leave us a nice review on your favorite podcasting source. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.